Welcome to Waypointers, the new podcast for agency and technology leaders, bringing you insight, advice, and knowledge from the leading lights of the creative, digital, and tech landscape. In this series, we'll bring together the brightest minds in the industry, together with our own in-house growth advisory specialists, to share illuminating topics and conversations to grow your business. I hope you enjoy this episode of Waypointers. Hi, everyone. I'm Cameron Coots. I'm product manager at Waypoint Partners, looking after our agency partner product. Today on the, the Waypointers podcast, I'm joined by Ian McIntosh. Ian is the, the CEO of Evolved Search, a Newcastle-based agency who've seen you know some exceptional growth over the last three to five years. And we're, we're going to get a little bit of time understanding what it is and the motivations that have helped um, Ian drive his business forward. And I'll hand over to you, Ian, to, to let us know a little bit more about what you guys do. Yep, so Evolved Search, we are a performance marketing agency uh, based up in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. We are nine years into our journey and we have 60 or so full-time members of the team doing approximately five and a half to six million revenue a year. We are a performance marketing agency. Um, It was founded by myself and my brother-in-law back in 2014, September 14. And my brother-in-law had a fairly similar experience. So he had worked agency side, but whereas I was primarily on the SEO side, um, he was more towards paid search. And we'd spoken for a little while about the potential of starting an agency and you know what we would do differently. And we often spoke of our frustrations around working in agencies and what we felt we could do differently, what we could do a little bit better. So we kind of, yeah, we set the wheels in motion that summer 2014. And one of the key motivations behind that, I think, was our frustrations around the world of SEO at the time. Yep. So it was, you know, bad practice was very common. Um, you know, gray hat, black hat um, kind of work going on with clients. Um, we had some kind of fundamental moral issues with the way the industry was being run. We felt like we could do a much better job in terms of running campaigns. Which was the, that was the primary motivation. I'd say the second motivation was we wanted to be a really good employer. So we wanted to create a really great place to work. And that was because we'd kind of experienced uh, the opposite during our agency experience. Not that it was all bad. We learned a lot and there was a lot of good things, but we felt like agencies would, they would not prioritize the, the people as well as what we felt that we could do. Um, so there was two key motivations there. So we, we started off with £5,000. Okay. We had no clients. We didn't take a salary uh, for 12 months. Yep. Um, we basically had enough money to get a website launched and do some fairly basic marketing. The, the determination from day one was to try and build a, a business of some scale. Mm-hmm. And it was never, never going to be a lifestyle business for us. We had no interest in that. You know, if we wanted to do the lifestyle route, we probably would have freelanced and we would have certainly earned a lot more money for the first few years. So we wanted to build a valuable asset. That was the mindset from day one. It's still the mindset now, but since 2014, we've grown it to, we're around 60 people now. Um, we expect to do between five and a half and six million revenue this year, which should do about two million EBITDA. So we are in a very healthy place. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you know, we've made... God knows how many mistakes. All of the mistakes is what I, I say to the guys. So, you know, we'll talk about some of that today. 
Well, yeah, just I mean, really good insight and, and thanks for the intro. Obviously, on on the on the journey you've been on, I think one area it'd be quite interesting just to get a little bit more information out of you, and, and it kind of touches upon some of those those mistakes that you've made. You know, do you think coming from the tools, so to speak, is what we see with a lot of founders is is kind of given you a lot of positives, obviously, in the product that you're then able to deliver, but it probably has left you a little bit naive in some respects. And, you know, how many of those tools do you think have come just as a lack of advice and guidance, you know, in the early days of setting up? Yeah, like huge. I mean, the difference in the skill set you need to run a fantastic search campaign versus the skill set you need to have, you know, to run a successful agency, they are very different. And you really need to accept and acknowledge that that's going to be a learning curve that you're going to be on, um, and which we did to a degree. You know, we'd worked in agencies for a long time and we were a little bit, you know, I think at the time we thought we knew more than we did, but we didn't know what we didn't know at, at that time. And yeah, and then actually when you realize um, how much of a growth curve you need to go on, you know, that's when you can fully embrace it. And if you if you then look at that, you know what if you were to pinpoint the kind of key lessons that you've you've learned over that period of time from from the hiccups and mistakes mm. that you've made. I mean, what would be the the key ones that you'd pick out over the last six, seven, eight years? I think the first thing I would recommend to anybody would be to get a mentor as soon as possible. You are going to require help on the journey. Make sure you spend the time to find the right person. You know, check their credentials, make sure they've been on the exact same journey Mm -hmm. that you want to go on. So for me, you know, this wasn't a general business mentor. I was looking for someone who had run an agency, had been an MD or a CEO and had grown that agency and then exited at a certain point. So, yeah, so make sure you, you know, do your background checks. Obviously, you need to like the person, you need to get on with the person. But in my opinion, it's probably the best return on investment you're ever likely to get. Mm-hmm. And it also, it could be one of the most important appointments you make on your journey because, it, you know, not only does it help the agency, um, but also in terms of your personal growth, having a mentor there to challenge your thinking and, you know, guide you along the way, you know, it, it's, it's as close to priceless you know, as you're going to get. And at what point did you did you go out and look for that? I mean, you know, what size were you and evolved when you thought, you know, I've done what I can here. I need some some external advice to to really push this forward. Yeah, I think it was yeah between year four and year five, mm-hmm. and I think we'd got to the point where I'd seen other agencies in our space grow beyond what we were growing at. I think they were maybe doing 50% year-on-year top-line growth, and we were closer to 25 30%. And I'd also seen, looking at their accounts, uh, how well they were actually doing as an agency. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was clearly missing something. And then I, I, you know, I researched who they were working with, and then that was kind of what drove us to, to work with the Waypoint guys. But I was speaking to, you know, on your point around uh, having having a, a mentor, I was speaking to a founder the other day, and I, I think there's a there's an argument for, for founders to need two types of mentors. I think there's the the mentor where they, they help advise and, and grow the business, and then there's also the mentor that maybe helps with the less tangible entrepreneurial side of, of what it's like to be lonely and, and you're know, doing those oh. late nights that you can't get around. So It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts around, you know, what's the entrepreneurial side of that journey like and, you know, what keeps you going in those dark days? 
Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, I mean, Phil can tell you. I had conversations with Phil where you know it was around that loneliness where you know you do feel a little bit isolated, and sometimes you just need somebody to to listen and understand. And I go back to when you're choosing a mentor. If they've been in that leadership role, they will absolutely be able to relate because generally, you know, you will encounter the same kind of problems, mm-hmm. whether they were in that position, you know, 10, 20 years ago or now, it's kind of irrelevant. So, you know, I've had numerous conversations with Phil around, you know, I'm fed up, uh, I'm sick of this. I remember I won, not, oh, this was maybe 18 months ago. I was like, oh, you know, I could, ju- I just want to sell now. This is just too much, you know, I just, is it worth it? And, you know, you start to question things. And you just need that balancing force um, to to really help you get through some of the difficult situations because the difficult situations they don't stop. <laughs> There's always yeah. a difficult situation on the horizon. What what were the biggest barriers put in place for you, and then how how did you kind of go around overcoming them? There's so many, so many barriers. I feel like I could almost write a book on the the barriers, and you know, some of these barriers, you know, they'll be fairly easy to overcome. Some of them are going to be significant challenges. But in terms of um, the challenges that spring to mind for me, the first challenge I'd say was knowing what a top agency actually looked like. So when I said that, you know, it took us to between year four and five before we engaged with um, you guys. Prior to that, I was reading every book on agencies. I was watching every video. I was trying to absorb as much information around agency leadership and management as I possibly could. And you quickly, when you go down that route, I was quickly becoming frustrated because there was discrepancies in terms of what people were saying a good agency would look like. And that could be discrepancies in terms of the financial metrics, the operational metrics, you know, the senior leadership team, pretty much anything. So I just actually found myself more confused than when I started on that journey. Yep. So once I knew and once, you know, I had a, um, some feedback from you guys, what an agency looked like, that then guided every decision thereafter. And I remember uh, this was probably 2017, 2018. You guys had done uh, an agency audit um, and I, I felt at the time we were doing quite well, and it was a 28-point like checklist, yep. and it was based on a red, amber, green uh, system, and we only scored three greens out of 28, yeah. and that was when we thought we were doing well. Uh, I think it was 12 amber, 13 red, and that, to me, was the real kind of light bulb moment that we were nowhere near as far along in our journey as what we thought we were. If we had done that audit ourselves, we would have come up with very different uh, results. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it absolutely does require that external perspective to give you the almost like the reality, the objective reality in terms of where you are. This is where we thought we were. Um, in terms of changes that we made, oh, I mean, there's an awful lot of changes. Uh, everything from the the people side, we made changes. We made changes on the way we would sell. You know, sales and marketing. I think we scored pretty much red. In all of those areas, the way we manage resource internally, so the operational metrics, um, you know, we were not really tracking our metrics correctly, mm-hmm. and we had limited tracking in place for what we did. So we were kind of, you know, for example, we were recruiting based on kind of good feel at the time, based on the resource that we felt like we needed and what the clients needed. We, we didn't have any way of really knowing 
So there was, yeah, there was numerous different projects that we kicked off. Some we kicked off immediately, others were a little bit further down the line. And if you look at those kind of projects that essentially allowed the growth to occur, you know, we see a lot on agency partner agencies coming in with the expectation that they would do that simulation type piece and then all of a sudden you know everything's hunky-dory if you want to call it that you know yeah. how long realistically did you, once you implemented those changes started viewing things differently did it bring you to sort of say you know this is the time period that we're now starting to see some results that's a good question i think some were almost immediate after we'd completed the project so it might have taken from you know the the conception of the project right the way through to the project being embedded mm-hmm. and that could have been a six month period yeah. but after that six month period once we had fully embedded it in the agency i would say the results were fairly quick after that so i think that one would apply to for example the operational metrics in particular something like uh we did a project on like sales sales commercial awareness where the entire leadership team had a few days of sales training. And I think the results um, on the back of that, I would say they came in you know, a lot sooner because we completely changed the way we were selling. So we were kind of moving from fairly small retainers where we would sell based on kind of technical expertise and insight. Yep. Moving from that to selling based on value and getting into some really juicy retainers. Um, I think you know, that did occur fairly quickly. In terms of you know, that, that value-based selling approach where you, you're starting to look at how you can actually have an impact on their business and what it is that you're doing for them as opposed to you know, what it is you're selling, which is, I suppose, the, the kind mm. of classic technical sell. How did that then impact the kind of top-line growth? I mean, we spoke at the start about the, the growth that you've had. I mean, what was the, what was the output in the period of time that, that the work kind of project was running? Oh, this was this was huge. I think during that time period, I mean, we probably went, we probably doubled revenue over the space of two years um, with that approach. And yeah, I also have to bear in mind that during that two years, some of the some of the bigger deals, you know, they might take six to nine months to get over the line. So it might actually have been, you know, twelve months of revenue, but we started the process a lot sooner. But yeah, that that I don't think we would be in the position that we're in today, continuing to sell the way we used to sell. And and it's not just the way you sell, it was also the mindset and confidence. Mm-hmm. I think prior to that training, it was quite difficult for us to have the confidence to have commercial conversations with large PLCs. Yep. Um, it was kind of like, you almost get imposter syndrome to a degree. You know, why is this massive PLC wanting to talk to, you know, this tiny agency in Newcastle? But actually, once we've been through the process and we got to grips with the key concepts, um, we were going into pitches as if we were well-seasoned negotiators. You know, it was mm-hmm. um, it was a world of difference. And what were those kind of mindset slash leadership changes that you, you ran with? The, the mindset point, I mean, it, it's all about having the the growth mindset. So, you know, I talk about this often with the team, growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. So, you know, you, you embrace challenges, you seek out feedback, um, you know, you, you really want to be outside your comfort zone as much as possible to try and accelerate your personal growth to a degree. And uh, that's, 
speaking, you know, as an individual that you'd obviously want to um, accelerate your personal growth. But I think the other aspect to that is that if you have that attitude and you have that growth mindset, I think over time that will start to filter through to the agency's culture where everybody within the agency, you know, they see how you're thinking and what you're prepared to do and how you act. And then, you know, ultimately that will lead to the team having a growth mindset and not being the kind of team that sits there uh, and, you know, they're, they're fixed in their processes, they're fixed in their thinking, they won't ever do anything that, you know, makes them a little bit uncomfortable. And I think that's probably almost more important than the cultural aspect than the individual aspect. Yeah, it's that cultural shift, isn't it, towards towards that kind of growth-based mindset. And, you know, I think it's part of the, the kind of founder journey as well, right? Because you, you move from being someone that probably leads on sales and marketing when, when you're that maybe £1 million agency mark. But then as you grow to, you know, three, five and upwards, you start to have to create functions and an organizational structure where you have to allow mm-hmm. and empower those people to go about doing your job. And you're mm-hmm. essentially no longer capable of, of delivering that all yourself. So, you know, to have them motivated to continue to drive that growth, there's a cultural change needed within the agency. And it's got to be from the leadership team down um, to kind of stem that 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 change. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other point I would make that's kind of linked to mindset um, would just be around resilience. And as one of the agency leaders, you know, you have to be mega resilient. You know, running an agency is incredibly tough. Um, You know, it's a people business. You've got lots of demanding clients in our space. You know, within search, you've also got Google to contend with. You like to mix things up and, you know, there's a lot going on that can be outside of your control. Mm-hmm. And if you've not got that, you know, resilience, then if you're not looking after yourself properly, um, you're going to be in for a very difficult, difficult time. And I, I, bringing it back to something that we spoke about at mm-hmm. the, the start of the podcast, you know, that that resilience and that kind of being lonely as a, as a founder is I think where you have those two types of mentors come in and you yeah. obviously alluded mm-hmm. to the fact that, that you engaged with, with the team here at Waypoint and, and Phil, but there's the mm-hmm. flip side of that. There's also the, the kind of resilience and, and mentoring piece that you need from the entrepreneurial perspective, um, which maybe isn't always quite as blunt, but is another essential component on kind of driving that 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 support through. And yeah, you've obviously mentioned there how, how it's impacted you guys at Evolved. Yeah, and I think... What's always useful in that situation is perspective, because sometimes you're so involved in the minute detail of what's going on, it takes someone just to pull you out of that for a minute and say, hang on, like, remember 12 months ago, this was the situation, you had this going on, this going on, this going on. Now, look, I know, you know, you might have a problem at the time, but look how far you've actually traveled in that 12 months. And, you know, Again, I think that's better coming from somebody outside of the agency rather than inside. One of the key areas that we've seen with agencies and, and changing to a more growth-driven mindsets, moving away from you know, technical sales and whatever that agency specializes to, and moves to more of a value-driven approach where you're, you're considering the client output. And I, I know that's been a fundamental kind of spark in your journey in terms of you know, driving substantial top-line growth. Can you just kind of allude to, to how you kind of went around that that change in mindset and change in approach and, and the outcomes of it? Being completely honest, um, if we go back four or so years ago, um, we didn't really know what we were doing on the sales front. 
we kind of felt like we'd winged it to a few million pounds annual revenue. Mm -hmm. The selling was largely done by the directors at the time. It was usually all of us attending pitches. It was a technical pitch with reliance on insight. So it was lots of, you know, pretty graphs and, you know, all the rest of it. And the clients were really buying into us as individuals rather than the outcome that would come, you know, as a result. But I think at the time it was our enthusiasm, our passion. They could see the journey we'd been on, you know, our credentials. I think for a lot of clients, you know, that worked. But it was in no way scalable and it was it was very just disjointed. But at the time, so just to give you full context here, I think our average retainer value might have been around five or six thousand pounds a month. But I knew in the market there were agencies out there getting forty thousand, fifty thousand pound retainers for exactly the same services. And I, at the t- I didn't even understand how they were doing that. I was like, are they doing 10 times the amount of work we're doing? You know, there's something I was missing. And that was what led us to ultimately, you know, going down the sales trainer route. We also had no real approach to costing. So I couldn't have told you when we were signing a deal, if that deal was even going to be profitable for the business. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I was just focusing on bringing in some additional clients and revenue. And in terms of the actual costing itself, it largely went along the lines of, you know, the larger the brand, then, you know, the larger the retainer. There was nothing really more to it. That's how basic it was at the time. There was no real process. It was a bit of a mess. Every pitch, we were almost reinventing the wheel. Um, it was a very bespoke pitch. So we were putting in a lot of time, which ultimately, you know, is wasted time if you then don't come away with the deal. So it was a little bit of a, of a mess, um, we kind of fudged it, like I say, winged it to a few million pounds worth of revenue. And then in terms of how we changed, so the first thing we did was have the entire leadership team. So I think it was maybe six or seven people go through the sales training, which was based around value-based selling, which was almost a complete revelation to us. Like, you know, a lot of us had come from similar backgrounds. We were not particularly commercial. So to have this training, it, everything just kind of clicked. It made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as I've alluded to, it also then fed into the confidence aspect yep. um, where we felt like we could sit down with procurement. We could sit down, have a commercial conversation with, you know, a, a CEO or an MD or head of digital. And, you know, we would be speaking the same languages depending on who we were talking to. Whereas prior, I think we would have been fantastic speaking to somebody like a head of SEO or a head of paid search. But come, you know, if the CEO was sat in the room, I think he would just be glazed over for half of the meeting because he wouldn't know what we were talking about. And I think it, it, moves, it moves away from, you know, engaging with economic buyers and not user buyers that mm-hmm. you were previously mm-hmm. engaging with and, and the, the value-driven approach of how that you can talk to them in a language that they understand of how you're going to improve output for them allows you to get access to to potential budget that you would never have had access to before because it was just seen as a as a component within a marketing function yeah. or a component within a digital teams function and really allows you to drive that further value yeah exactly so we were very very good at speaking to user buyers so we were you know for example the language you'd be using would be around you know rankings links um, you know, traffic, that kind of thing. But rarely would we touch upon cost savings or, you know, increased revenue of X. 
Um, you know, it, it might come up as part of the analysis, but it, I would say the bulk of the conversations we would be having would be on the technical uh, nuances rather than, you know, top line growth. Thanks, Ian. It's been, been great talking to you uh, today and having a chat and learning all about, you know, the, the growth that, the, and the journey that you guys have been on. From my perspective, you know, it, it certainly feels like the, the moment when you started to look at that value-driven sales approach that um, that was the real game-changer and Evolve's journey and, and long may it continue. So um, thank you for your time today and yeah, I look forward to, to hopefully talking soon. Thanks, Cameron. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Waypointers. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more from agency and technology leaders, please subscribe to Waypointers wherever you get your podcasts. This series is brought to you by Waypoint Partners, leading global growth and M&A advisory firm specializing in the creative and tech agency sectors. For bespoke advice on growing your agency, please visit waypointpartners.co.uk and follow Waypoint Partners on social media.